Welcome to the Wholehearted Eating Podcast, where non-diet nutrition, weight-inclusive care, and integrative health collide. We're your hosts, Dana Montes and Christina Hoyt, licensed integrative clinical nutritionists and body image coaches. And we believe you deserve to have a joyful relationship with food in your body, even if you have a chronic health condition or symptoms that just won't quit. On this show, together and with our guests, we're bringing the real talk, no BS5 with tangible tools to help you pursue health and wellness without obsession or restriction. Remember our disclaimer, this podcast is meant for general information purposes only and should not be taken as a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Welcome back to the Whole Hearted Eating Podcast. This week's episode is about your relationship with stress or is it your relationship with food? And this whole episode was inspired by a lovely client of mine who came to me um, talking about their relationship with food and their body and exercise and they really wanted to work on it and get to the heart center of it all. Um, And they had done a lot of eating disorder type work before and had and we're seeing a therapist at the same time and in a conversation one day when we were kind of going through everything we realized that it was really at the heart at the root of all of her her issues with her body and exercise that in order to repair that relationship with food and her body and exercise she actually needed to focus on repairing her relationship with stress. And that was really at the heart of it that we realized that she's, she was a, um, just burnt out, you know, just overwhelmed. And we sometimes can gravitate towards exercise and food and things like that to cope. Raise your hand if, uh, you feel like we're talking to you, <laughs> but I mean, I think if you've ever all... been personally victimized by the wholehearted eating podcast, <laughs> sorry guys, we love you. This is for you. This is for your benefit. Don't hate us because it's true. <laughs> um, you've been victimized, but um, but yeah, I think that's what this episode's all about, and we wanted to get to that place because. Yeah, the truth is sometimes in order to repair your relationship with food and exercise, you have to repair your relationship with stress. And stress can feel really difficult to repair because more often than not, we feel like we don't have any control over it. Um, And sometimes we think that in order to quote unquote manage our stress, we have to remove it in some way. And that feels impossible because a lot of the times things that are stressful to us are outside of our control. We can't control what our family is doing. We can't control always our financial situation. We can't control our work deadlines or, or um, when papers are due in school or anything like that. And so we turn to these other things in order to help us cope and quote unquote manage that stress. And when we get into this stress food management cycle, it can get real dicey (laughs) real quick. Yeah. And, you know, we wanted to talk about this other angle today because frequently we talk about how our body image is for a lot of people a major root cause of a complicated relationship with food or getting into dieting or weight loss programs or anything like that. And that can definitely be a part of it and 
stress can be a big part of it. We talk about a lot, especially in the eating disorder and disordered eating world, about how a lot of those behaviors can stem from this feeling of a lack of control, especially if you develop these behaviors as a child or a teenager or, you know, even when you're in college or off on your own for the first time because you feel like so many things are out of your control. So you start to think, well, like, oh, well, you know, like here's, you know, I need to eat every day. So here's one input at least that I can have some semblance of control over, right? But really... That's not, you know, we, it's easy to, simple to say, you know, not easy to overcome that like, that's really not the root of the problem, right? The problem is the lack of control and we don't know what to do about it. And so out of that feeling of what do I do, we're looking for, you know, any solution. One thing that I bring up a lot with my clients to give this as an example is like in the beginning of, you know, March, 2020, and we're, when we're thinking about relationship with food or exercise, you know, in the panini, right? People most of the time were either going one of two very different ways. It was either food for control or food for comfort, right? E- excessive exercise for control or couch potato for comfort, right? And some people, it is excessive exercise for comfort, right? Even though it is really control. And I want to bring up one other thing that Christina said as well is like, you know, the conventional manal of managed conventional model, (laughs) that's what it is, um, of stress management is, oh, just get rid of the stress and you'll be fine. One resource we're going to be mentioning a lot today is um, the book Burnout by Emily and Amelia Nagoski, which if you've ever worked with me and Christina one-on-one, you've probably heard us talk about it because one of the things that they mention in there is in the research, it actually shows that even if you remove the immediate stressor, that is not enough to remove the byproducts of stress, aka the hormonal cascade and all the different physiological changes that your body goes under as a result of the stress. And you have to actually do different, you know, techniques or things in order to process out the effects of stress before you can fully be back into the primary rest and digest process of the nervous system, which is where it would be better for our bodies to live most of the time. But unfortunately, in this crazy world that we live in, most of us are in fight or flight primarily, which is, while essential for our survival, not advantageous for us to be in most of the time from a symptom standpoint, a hormone standpoint, a digestive standpoint, all all of the standpoints, really. Yeah. And what can happen is what it kind of like layers on top of each other, right? At the bottom is like this this little bubble of stress that we have that we're all running around with and then society and all the things and blah, 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 all the stuff. (laughs) It's piled up on top of it. But then we build this other stress on top of it with called our relationship with food and our body. And it becomes its own like little red herring, which becomes its own big problem. And And stressor on its own. And an added stressor, right? Like there's this added stress that goes on top of it. And so sometimes what will happen, and in the case of this, um, this individual, quite frankly, insert client name here, this is pretty much all of them a lot of times, is um, the the bigger problem, the relationship with food, the red herring became the most important problem to address because of what it was doing to their physical and mental health 
you know, on its own. And so that had to be addressed as well. And it becomes its own big problem and its own stressor feeding the bigger stress that's underneath the whole thing. And it just becomes this really crazy, intense, like a cycle. Dana and I were talking in preparation for today's episode about how it becomes this stress food body image, like labyrinth of how do I get out of this maze <laughs> kind, kind of thing. And I think one of the the things that can be helpful is to visualize is that the behaviors, right, the eating disorder behaviors or the coping skill behaviors that we create are kind of like a branch for a tree. And then we need to find the roots of the problem and build new roots and clean out everything um, in order to change what those behaviors are going to look like and how we're utilizing those behaviors. Because if the, if the, if the heart of why we're executing that behavior is built off of stress, then it's not going to be doing the repletion that we think it's going to be doing for us. It's actually depleting us. And so it needs to have um, a foundation that is supportive for what your body is really craving and needing. And what that needs is to, like Dana mentioned, completing that cycle and getting you back to that parasympathetic system. But if we're continuing to deplete and hurt our physical body within our relationship with food and our relationship with our body through food, exercise, alcohol, so many different things that we see this in, um, you then lose out on this opportunity to get to the deeper part because we're, it becomes this distraction, you know, um, when really it's a um, kind of like a, an offset cause of the deeper stress that you're having. Yeah. To use a very uh, prevalent example, and if you hear my dog drinking water in the background, that's just where we are now. Um speaking of where we are now, we're in the holiday season, right? And the holidays are, while a partially wonderful time, they're also a very, very stressful time for people, especially with the economy the way it is. Like everybody is stressed about food and everybody's stressed about money and everybody's stressed about gifts and all of the things. And then that doesn't even include travel and, you know, your family dynamics or what you do or don't do for holidays. And, you know, if people are going to be there or if people are missing, you know, for whatever reason, it's a lot of stress, right? And there is this really interesting hyper focus on our relationship with food around the holidays mostly because there is a built-in binge restrict cycle to the way that we do things in western countries which is binge on all of the things in the holidays and then restrict everything in January right but if you find that you're thinking about food more often during the holidays and how you're looking for some kind of guided structure to quote get you through or if you feel like you find that you're just you know purely using food for comfort right we always say observe with curiosity not judgment and it makes a lot of sense because especially this holiday season you know I mean the last three holiday seasons have been super super stressful in ways that we never could have predicted before because hello panini right but 
it makes a lot of sense why we would be going to these different coping mechanisms, like either trying to control or use food for comfort, using it with exercise, doing it with food, people use retail therapy, like all of these different techniques that are what they talk about in the burnout book is more of a distraction technique or what, you know, Brene Brown would call like a numbing technique rather than a processing technique, right? So when we're all going forward and thinking about, you know, quote, managing stress, instead of thinking about like, oh, well, I just have to get rid of this because how accessible is that, right? Like, sure, if it was that easy, nobody would be stressed, right? Is there's kind of two different categories, right? When we're thinking about different tools to deal with stress, there's processing, which is a tool that helps you actually rebuild and replenish your resilience, your tolerance to stress, your energy, how you feel and everything like that. And then there's more distraction and numbing, which could be food, it could be exercise, it could be alcohol, it could be binge watching TV, it could be doing all these things. Now, the hard thing is that there isn't really a black and white here, <laughs> right? There are some things that are very clearly um, like excessive exercise is not a processing technique because that's really taking from your reserves rather than giving them back to you. But most other things could really fall into either or category. And then the other thing to think about too, because we are going to give you some action steps at the end of this episode of like, okay, well, what the heck do I do now? Is the processing or distraction techniques that you have are never inherently good or bad, Right. It's that sometimes you don't have the energy, resources, capacity, anything to use one of your processing techniques. So then you go to distraction, right? Because everybody is ultimately just working with the tools that they have and are available to them and they have the capacity for. So if you come home totally exhausted, your kids have been driving you up the wall, work was really hard, the economy is going crazy, like all of the things, you probably don't have energy to do anything except sit on the couch and like watch 10 minutes of TV. Is that going to fix your stress? No. Will it help you unwind? Yeah. <laughs> right? So you just have to think about, you know, with a little bit of compassion, you know, yes, I can acknowledge that this isn't going to fix my stress. My snowball of stress might be a little bit bigger tomorrow. But at the same time, sometimes you're just in a crazy season of stress and there isn't really anything that you can do about it. And that's okay sometimes. As long as we, you know, eventually make a plan that's within your capacity to address things when you can. Yeah, I think one of the things that is so important here is that we we tend to then get hard on ourselves. Like, so then our distraction, we then say like, oh, this is something that I need to fix, which makes things that like an exercise program or a dieting program feel very um, um, alluring Enticing. because it's action oriented and it's providing you with tools and you're thinking to yourself, okay, I'm getting, I'm coming home stressed every day after school, after, you know, after I'm done with classes or after I'm done with work. And at the end of the day, all I want to do is eat, you know, a pint of ice cream and watch um, Indian matchmaker and, <laughs> and hang out all night. And I don't want to do anything else. And then you think, well, I need to fix that behavior. And then, you know, you're scrolling through TikTok and then there's like, oh, try this 30 day thing that through to lead you through the holidays. Like, and of course you're going to think, well, what I'm doing doesn't feel that great. Um, but it's, 
it's cool to do and it's like supportive in its own little way, but that sounds more, it can come off as sounding more productive. And so then we think, oh, I can be more productive and that's going to make me feel better, which we're going to talk about very directly in another podcast episode with someone who specializes in that. So stay tuned for that conversation. But then what happens is, is this thing that you're latching onto that you're thinking, oh, and you might even say to yourself when you're scrolling and you're seeing this exercise program come up, this thing that comes up and you say, oh, I read that exercise is really great for stress. Great. That sounds productive. I'm going to go and start doing this program here. I'm going to start doing it. And so innocently enough and understand you think, okay, great. I'm doing something about both things. I'm being a more productive person. I'm going to have better energy. Exercise is good for you. It's going to help me complete my stress cycle according to the burnout book and all the research. Yay, 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 yay. And then you realize, are the things that you're using to complete your stress, stress cycle actually depleting you? Is the movement that you're doing too intense? Is it, does it make sense to go from I'm so depleted and stressed to the point where all I can do is sit around and watch TV and then all of a sudden I'm going to do orange theory? Bad idea. Bad idea. Your capacity isn't there. Your capacity hasn't grown to that place. And so sometimes something that you can do that in theory feels like something that can complete your cycle becomes more harmful. And then we justify it. We then say, oh, the reason why I'm doing this is because it helps me manage my stress. Or it's good for me, quote unquote. It's good for me or whatever. But newsflash, it's actually not. It's actually digging you deeper into the burnout, stress, and insert all of the things Dana talks about on every single podcast she's ever invited on and gets thousands of emails about, can you help me with my burnout and adrenals? And so that's what ends up happening. And so then at that point, when they come to us and when you come to this place, is it your relationship with food or is it your relationship with stress? And the question is, is it's hard to tell. But a lot of times I have found that the heart of the issue is, yes, we have body image stuff. Of course, we live in America or anywhere you're listening to this, right? I think it's worldwide now. <laughs> um, yes, we have body image issues. Yes, we we live in a culture that loves to restrict and binge and encourages that type of behavior. But we also have a constant flow of stress all the time. And if we don't learn our unique tools that actually replenish us and like what Dana mentioned about rebuilding your own internal resilience, then even when you try to do something that sounds productive and supportive for you, it can actually be depleting and create its own bigger shitstorm on top of it. CrossFit, we're looking at you. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Which I can Uh, say because I did CrossFit for like 10 years, right? Like, don't come for me. I get it. Um, But it's really interesting because some of the coaches and the trainers that are well-trained that I used to work with, I remember this very vividly of one was, you know, with a personal training client and they were saying like, yeah, you know, we're in a CrossFit gym and everything, but you've just come off 
a business trip all last week, like you haven't slept well because you have a new kid, you know, like all the things. This is the last type of stimulus that you need right now. And a big thing about all of this and learning how to truly manage your stress is learning to check in on like, okay, well, where am I? <laughs> you know, like, how am I doing? And then learning to identify, okay, well, what do I need without your ego coming into it, right? Because you could easily say and tell me how, you know, I'm sure you see this, Christina, but I see this so much being in the, you know, like weightlifting world and stuff is people who come from their super, super high stress jobs. And they're like, oh, the only thing that makes me feel better is that I do an intense workout and I'm like panting on the floor afterwards. No, no, that just means you're addicted to stress and you're addicted to cortisol. And we are going to talk about that in another episode. But that really is just, what that's saying to me is you're in the alarm stage of stress, right? Your hormones are all over the place. And the hard thing is it does make you feel better in the short term, right? Because I can acknowledge as an exerciser myself, right? When you get into that flow state of exercise and you're like, oh my gosh, I can finally like, you know, let go of the stress of my day. I'm no, my anxiety and everything is no longer ping ponging off the walls and everything like that. It feels great. And for some people, that's the only time of the day when that happens. So I want to acknowledge it that like, we're not saying you should take this away immediately because that can feel like a threat to your internal safety as well, right? What we want to think about is like, okay, if I acknowledge that like, yes, this is a pattern that I'm seeing in myself, what are some other ways that I can start to first think about helping me rebuild my resilience, replenish my resilience, like my stores of things so that my snowball of stress that started out as like a pebble, it, well, let's be realistic, not a pebble, maybe like a fish tank at the beginning of the week is now like a full-blown swimming pool full of snow, right? Because when you get to that point, that's when you need a vacation. <laughs> and we can't all afford to take vacations all the time. We can't just quit our jobs. We can't just leave our kids. We can't leave our pets. We can't do all the things. And the thing is, like we mentioned before, even if you were to quit all of the things, you're still not going to get rid of that internal process of stress that has happened over the years from all of this buildup. There are things that you need to do and you can do, and there are a myriad of them that can help you really process this stuff out. And the general rule of thumb that I usually tell my clients is like, if you feel better, not only immediately afterwards, but the next couple of hours and the next day, then that's an indicator that at this stage of wherever you are, that type of movement is working for you, right? Because if you just say like, oh, how do you feel immediately after? Man, when you do an intense workout, yeah, you're tired, but you're like, oh, my brain is finally relaxed, even if your body is dying. Um, but the next couple hours, not so much. And the next day, a lot of people can't get out of bed. That is a sign. That was too much. <laughs> so it can be really hard because for a lot of people, when you've reached this point in your resilience journey, they're like, oh, I used to be able to do this. And like, I don't get it. And you know, why am I here? We're just in a different season of your life. Just because something worked for you before doesn't mean it'll work for you now. And, and it doesn't mean that it'll never work for you again either. Yeah. And unfortunately, for whatever reason, when that comes up, instead of honoring the body and what it's telling you, we think that we need to double down and try harder 
because we should be able to do this and all that shooting type stuff. And then it adds even more stress onto you. And then it's like, blah, 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 it goes into this whole cycle all over again. And another, like another thing too, we've been talking about exercise a lot this whole time, but food is just as, as dangerous as the exercise, except it's more subtle. So you don't always see what's happening, except what you'll see is fatigue, brain fog, headaches, dizziness, all these other things that are coming up as a, as a result too, because when you're going into, you know, your meals suppressed and depleted because of your stress and you actually require more energy, more nutrients, more all of the things, and we're in a sympathetic state, so our absorption isn't as good, all of these different things are, are like suppressed on top of it, and then you go into your meal and your meal is restrictive. You're not even giving enough to, to, to like meet base camp one, let alone the, 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 the deficit that's there on top of it. And so when you do that again, it's like, you're just pulling the deficit deeper and deeper and deeper into it. And a lot of times when we're in these types of situations, we think we need to tighten up our food. We need to do all these different things on around our food when really we want to be adding in more. And that feels so counterintuitive and so like against everything we've ever been told. But that's the time when you actually need to double down on supporting yourself nutritionally, replenishing yourself because you are depleting every single day. Um, And if you're going into your meals depleted, you're not replenishing anything. And that's why people come to us and they say, I'm tired and I'm fatigued and I'm having a hard time getting up and I don't have energy and all of these things. And then we look at it, we're like, well, it's because you're not eating. <laughs> you're not eating enough. And they think, well, I am eating. And, you know, I've been like, I end up having this cycle where I've been on the weekends and that's just your YOLO time. You know, that's not making up for what it is. And it's not providing um, the necessary replenishing nutrients that your body needs either. Um, it's kind of like getting hit in the face with a hammer. Mm-hmm. This is something that I frequently talk about with clients when we're doing um, HDMA testing or hair testing mineral analysis, which is one of the ways that I really like to use to assess like, well, how burnt are you really? <laughs> right? And so when we look at this, you can see a measure of how deep are you in that hole based on the amount of nutrients that your body is using and burning through and at what rate, right? So for example, the more stressed you are, the more the body is going to use things like vitamin C, sodium, potassium, magnesium, and and carbohydrates, energy, a whole host of other things. Even if you are not actively restricting, if you're not actively adding in those types of nutrients and nutrient-rich foods and everything like that to compensate for the amount of stress that you have, like Christina mentioned, your deficit between what you're taking in and the amount that your body needs and is using at at a more rapid rate is growing and growing and growing. And the larger that deficit is, the more of a physical stress and imposition that is on your body. Basically, your body is going into even deeper of fight or flight the longer that this goes on. And I don't want this to seem like all doom and gloom and oh my God, what are we going to do kind of thing. <laughs> like there <laughs> I'm are... I'm thinking the exact same thing. I'm like, oh yeah. God, this is sounding real. <laughs> Just what it, what it really yeah. means is we 
have to be more gentle with ourselves, right? And we have to acknowledge that like in times of high stress, we need more help, right? We, you know, in past conversations about stress management, we've talked about like, you know, delegate what things you can, outsource what things you can. We need to do the same thing for our internal processes, right? If you're starting to realize, whoa, like I'm really feeling this stress, or if you're not a person that really feels stress, we need to start to look for what are your tells that I have too much going on or I'm taking on too much, right? And then we can start to take some necessary steps, which could just be like, I need to start saying no to some things, right? Or I need to back off a little bit on the intensity of exercise that I'm doing, or I need to add in more nutrient dense foods, or let me start to just work on the how I'm eating and the environment in which I'm eating. So I'm trying to slow down and kind of switch from the, oh my God, I'm all over the place. Here's my 27 to-do lists and my productivity and blah, 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 all the things, which is usually how our brains are going 24-7. If you can start to slow that down around mealtimes without changing anything that you are doing about what you're eating, you can improve your absorption and utilization of the minerals and vitamins and foods and stuff that you are eating so your body can use them more and it can also really help with digestion and bloating and all of the things but we can get into that in another episode (laughs) and the idea is to meet your body where it is you know that's ultimately the real the real piece here is we want you to meet your body where it is and honor honor that right respect it and don't think that when you have that itch when things are going crazy and we all get that itch. We're like, oh, I want to do something that's going to feel feel some way. And that feel some way is usually feeling a little bit more control or getting an area. And we tend to go towards food and exercise in order to do that. Or I want- painting the house if you're Christina. What was that? <laughs> or painting the house if you're Christina. <laughs> the house is um, taking out home projects is a really big one. <laughs> um, is something that I do. That's my my form of, <laughs> of like loving torture. <laughs> Um, but if you like find yourself kind of doing that, um, I want you to pause and say, what was this episode about? This this episode at the heart of it was about honoring yourself and providing yourself with actual processing techniques with, so how can you actually complete the cycle and the stress and replenish yourself without pulling away from your reserves even more? So when you have the itch to remove your calorie, like remove some calories or do something like that, or do some kind of protocol, I want you to think I actually need to go against my instinct here and add even more than I think I need to, or what they're telling me that I need to do. And I need to actually do more. It seems weird, but when it comes to that, I need to support my body with more, more rest, more relaxation, more food, more nutrients, more all of those things um, is going to help you decrease that deficit and get a little bit closer because we might, we may never be able to complete the deficit, but by golly, I want us all to try. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. Now I assume that there will be a lot of questions and follow up and like, what the heck do we do after this episode? So please shoot us some emails message us on Instagram, ask us in the Patreon, you know, like 
we would love to do more episodes on this. One of the things that we are doing on Patreon is you all have the voting power to say like what kinds of episodes do you want us to do? What kinds of topics do you want us to focus on? You know, what listener questions episodes are we going to do? Let us know because uh, we built that for you as an exclusive community. And there will, you know, as always, links in the show notes if you want to learn more about that or how you can support us on Patreon. And, you know, the holidays are crazy. So uh, hang in there. Buckle up, guys. Just- it's going to be a bumpy ride. <laughs> That's from Harry Potter 3. <laughs> hey, friends. It's Dana, and thanks for listening to the Wholehearted Eating Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please share it with your family and friends. Subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And if you can, we would absolutely love it if you left a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. This helps spread the word so more people can find the show and learn how to break out of diet culture, the body image spiral, and find a more peaceful relationship with food in their bodies with wholehearted eating. If you're interested in learning more about how you can work with me or Christina for one-on-one nutrition counseling or checking out our self-paced courses, head over to wholeheartedeating.com. And we'll see you again here next week.